the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by Danny Perez and Anthony Florentino. This is episode 56 featuring Madison Packer and Anya Packer. Madison is a professional hockey player entering her seventh season pro with the Metropolitan Riveters in the NWHL where she serves as captain. Anya is a former professional hockey player turned executive director of the National Women's Hockey League Player Association and now entering a new position as the general manager of the Metropolitan Riveters. Anya was also featured on the 2021 Forbes 30 Under 30 list. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Yeah, we'll get started. Um, welcome both for coming on. Thank you. Pr- really appreciate it. If you could uh, both introduce yourselves and um, yeah, we'll take it from there. Cool. Go ahead, Madison. I'm Madison Packer. I have played for the Riveters for six seasons, just signed a contract to, to play my seventh season uh, and looking forward to it. And I'm Anya Packer, formerly Badalino. I played D for the Connecticut Whale then transitioned into being the head of our Players Association for a few years. And now I've finally taken over the helm of the Metropolitan Riveters. So exciting for me as well. Awesome. Congratulations to both of you on that. And um, yeah, Matt, if you want to start, um, just kind of, you know, obviously it's a platform for athletes and mental health. So if you kind of just want to talk about your personal journey as far as, you know, mental health goes and, you know, how that ties into being an athlete and how, you know, it's uh, affected it both positively and negatively. Yeah, I think um, for a long time as athletes, we were taught that um, it wasn't something that you talked about. It was just like, oh, if you sprain your ankle or break your leg or blow your knee out, like it makes sense because, oh, I've got this injury. I can see it. I can rehab it. How do we fix it? Um, But concussions are super common in sports and even just, you know, mental illness and mental health disorders across the board are super common amongst athletes and everyday people. Um, and I think so, as sports have evolved and as younger generations have become more vocal about mental health, it's become more important. Um, I know for me, I included in my contract this season that, that I wanted to have our team host one mental health, game, health, mental health awareness game, because I think it's hugely important, uh, whether you personally struggle with a mental health disorder or somebody that you love does, or just recognizing that it's a, it's a problem and it's something that, that is hard for people to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's super important. And I, being an older player in the league, I think that it's been kind of cool to see the younger players come through and how much more open they are and how they talk about it. They're active and, and they follow through on initiatives that pertain to mental health. Um, and I think that that's good to see, but, and it's encouraging. Um, but it also says a lot about the evolution of sports and just how, we're now recognizing that whether it's, you know, CTE or other mental health disorders, people have brain injuries that need to be 
addressed or they have mental health disorders that they need support for. And those things are just as important as rehabbing a knee or rehabbing your back or whatever it might be, because if you, if you don't have it here, you're not going to perform on the ice. So um, I think it's something that's super important. And the more we talk about it, the more common and normal it becomes to, to have a conversation around. Yeah, no, that's great that you, um, you know, made the initiative to have it in your contract for a mental health awareness game. I think it's becoming more popular to talk about, I guess, or people feel more comfortable to do that. And I think that's the whole goal of what we're trying to do too. And um, one thing that we've said before, I think you guys can agree with is that they're more common than people are willing to talk about. And I think it's just getting the ball rolling and more people are going to start to realize that it's very normal to go through something, maybe not your whole life, but at some point it's very normal. And um, Anya, if you want to talk about, you know, your experience with mental health as well and, um, you know, we could just kind of keep this as an open flowing yeah. discussion here, however you guys want to do it. Sure. But, um, yeah, if you want to talk about kind of, you know, your side of, of uh, absolutely. And I think what Asim says is all so correct. You know, we, we go through this and you're tough. You're a hockey player. You don't have problems. You know, these, these stigmas that fall um, into what we all go through. So when I was growing up, um, I have a lot of anxiety. I, I um, kind of fought with a lot of depression in high school. I finally um, got to an apex of that. You know, I was hospitalized for a duration of time. Uh, I had to try to figure out how to rehab my mind and learn my own tools. And I always call it my tools. I'll be like, I have my tools for this. Um, so, you know, throughout my life, I had had this darkness, this, this quote, quote, weakness that I constantly felt like I was carrying with me. And it wasn't until I got to professional hockey that I, I knew that it was time to talk about it. So uh, every year I, I post something. And the first time I posted something pretty um, exposing for me, it was, it was the day pre and the day post going into the hospital. And it was saying, you know, I might be somebody that you look up to as an athlete, somebody that's doing all these great things. That was the first, you know, part of the inaugural season of a paid women's professional league. But I also was somebody that was hospitalized. I was somebody that had to reset my mind and reach out for help. And I was very much struggling. And so um, in that weakness and in that exposure of what I was going through, I, I learned that, that that was actually strength. And the people around me that leaned in and became my support system, whether they be fans or staff in the league or my teammates, insulated me in this bubble so that if I was having a bad day, I could say, hey, I'm not in a good headspace. Let's talk about it. And all of these things that we go through to continue to build these blocks make it easier for the next generation below us. You know, it will be easier for somebody else to share their story. If I went through a pretty uncomfortable pathway, same thing, Robin Lerner in the NHL, we see guys and gals all over professional sports, Olympic athletes, um, talking about depression and talking about anxiety and, um, you know, the feelings that we all go through. And, you know, a lot of them and a lot of us go through them behind closed doors. So I, I very much experienced that. And, um, in that, in that process and in sharing that, you know, exactly this podcast, like let's have a conversation about it. Let's um, go through the, the narrative that it doesn't make you weak. It, it's something that goes on. You know, you tear an ACL and you don't say, Oh, you have weak knees. You, you really, you go through the injury and you rehab it. And so, um, you know, mental health is health and uh, mental health awareness is very much uh, a huge part of our lives. And so I'm excited for this, but um, yeah, I personally have had a lot of connection to it. For both of you, what was it like initially opening up um, about your struggles? I know for me, it was, it was very dark. It was tough. And then to finally admit it, it was a weight off my shoulders and I had to have a great support system, but it's tough to initially get past that initial threshold of realize, okay, there's a problem here. And then two, I have to vocalize this and tell somebody. So 
what was that process like for the both of you to, um, you know, initially open up and, and feel comfortable? And how has the process been now, you know, after it's been, you know, years of expressing these feelings? Yeah, I, I can, I'll take it and then I'll go get that uh, yep. talking baby. But um, for me, it was, it was really scary because you don't know what people are going to say. You don't know if people are going to go to the worst part of you. And a lot of, a lot of us hold this as a, a point of embarrassment or anxiety or um, insecurity that you had this experience. And so, like I said, it's where you kind of get to the point of, am I weak or am I strong? Um, and, you know, even when I, I had Waylon, I was pregnant and I, you know, formerly was an athlete, then I was pregnant, then I had some serious postpartum depression and had to start seeing, um, you know, specifically therapists around that and being vulnerable and, and sharing that is a really scary thing. You don't know what you're going to get back. And I think like Madison said, with the next generation being really comfortable to talk about it, you actually don't realize how much love you're going to get back. And how much like gratitude and how much partnership and, and collaboration. And so I think that for me, I was so scared. You know, I didn't want the negativity or, um, you know, the hate speech or uh, the criticism. But what I did want was for somebody that was me 10 years ago to see to see that you can get through the other side of it, which feels impossible in the moment. Um, so that's a, that's kind of how I, I experienced that. Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of a combo. Like, I don't. Um, I definitely have anxiety. Like I, you know, my anxiety level runs high in my daily life, but I don't think any more so than, you know, most people that I've talked about it with, you know, I've, everybody experiences anxiety in some way. And so my involvement kind of, I was curious about why people don't talk about mental health more. Why is it, you know, why is there such a stigma around this thing that, that seemingly affects so many people? Um, and I, I come from an area in Michigan where there's been a lot of, um, you know, it's it locally concentrated. There's a lot of wealth. And unfortunately of the kids that I grew up with, you know, went to high school with and whatever, um, a, a lot of kids have died from drug overdose or suicide, which all starts with mental health. Like why are, why is this happening? So I kind of started digging in on that and like educating myself more. And that, that was before I met Anya and then I met Anya and, you know, we talked about kind of her story and, and struggles and, um, it just became important to me. I feel like in some ways I have a little bit more of a platform on social media and things just because I've been around a little bit longer with the league. Uh, and I've always gotten a good response from, you know, being vocal and, and talking about it. And there's no harm in doing that. I think that, um, you know, I get depressed. I get, I have anxiety. These things come up. For me, it's more situational. Like if something happens, I'll get, I'll be depressed for a little bit. Um, but not like hiding it and not talking about it doesn't do any good. And I, I'm super open about it with my teammates. Last year, my grandfather passed away and I reached out to the group and I was like, Hey guys, I'm not coming to practice tonight. I just, I, I needed a day to kind of clear my head. And because I knew that going to the rink would make it worse. And hockey is something that is an outlet for me. It's a place where I feel safe and, and forcing myself to go would have made it worse for me. And all my teammates were like hundred percent get it. Like it's just having a support system around you that understands it and gets it has been so helpful, but also kind of helping to build that community and move it forward. And, and if I feel in a lot of ways, if like, if you talk about it, okay, this is an okay thing. There's, there's no taboo here. It's a, it's an okay thing to talk about. I'm here for you. If you need it, I, you know, there's resources out there. If you need those, it's kind of built a community within our team that like, these are okay things to talk about. These are, okay issues to have. And I might not be the person to talk to, but I'll help you figure out who that person is. 
And I think that that's becoming more common in sports, but it's super, super important. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think you know, for me personally, I, it started off by just talking about it openly, jokingly. And all of a sudden people pull me aside and say, Hey, like, I, do you actually like seriously go through like anxiety? You, you know, are you depressed at time? I'm like, yeah, like, it's I joke about it, but it's true. And then they start to open up and it's a trickle effect that way. I think the important thing that we both agree on is that when you keep it in, it reaches a breaking point. So yeah, it's not like a, a physical thing that you can see and measure, but mentally it carries a lot of weight and it will reach a breaking point and it will physically deteriorate um, on your body. And, you know, like you said, hockey is a positive outlet for you and you want to remain that. Um, and I kind of want to segue into being an athlete and how you felt being an athlete, you know, contributed to your mental health positively and negatively. I mean, for me, there were times where hockey was my greatest outlet and then where it was the root of some really dark times. So um, I just want to know if you both can relate and, and kind of what, uh, you know, what your take is on that personally. Yeah, I think for me, for a long time, life was good if hockey was good. And if hockey sucks, life wasn't great. And I still like, I still get that way. Like, oh, we'll have a bad practice and I'll come home and I'll use like, oh, <laughs> um, but at the, when I finished college, I like through high school, through college, I was involved with the U18 team, the national program, Wisconsin was um, a pretty good program. So it was just all caught all hockey all the time. I wasn't thinking about anything else. And so when I went to graduate, that was the first time in my life where I thought about like, what does life look like without hockey? And um, I had no idea. Like from my from a from a positive standpoint, hockey gave me structure. It gave me an outlet. It gave me twenty friends. Where like, I mean, even if you don't like somebody that's your teammate, you're, they're there for you. If you go in the corner, they're gonna have your back. So it was just a comfort level of you know, you never felt like you were alone, or I, I never felt like I was alone. I had a, a good group of people. I had something to do. I had structure in my life, and then as I'm staring down graduation, the NWHL wasn't there. I, I wasn't on the national team. So it was like, what was I going to do? And I went into a really dark space. I, I, cause I identified like everything I said, I'm Madison Packer. I'm a hockey player. I didn't have anything. I didn't think I had anything else. Um, and so that really freaked me out. I was in a really bad space for about six months. I was like a different version of myself, lost a bunch of weight, just was super, super depressed. And then it was my younger sister actually, who like wrote me a note as I was going through all this. And she was like, yeah, you're a hockey player, but you're so many other things. And you became a hockey player because you have all these other things. You work, you have a good work ethic, you're whatever. And that was when it dawned on me, like, yeah, I'm a hockey player, but I'm also all these things. And, um, so the negative was it, like, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to, and then I was disappointed. And, because I felt like I had let myself down and not making the Olympic team or not going further with my career. And then the NWHL came about and I, it, it, I was able to keep going, but I learned that that's a part of me, not, not all of me. Um, so that's kind of what it's something. me. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of, a lot of it for me is I was never that I was never in the same place, right. I was never almost an Olympian or I was never almost the greatest pinnacle of, of what I was doing. I was always a third, fourth line grind my whole career. And I, I think I made a career off of just like working, working hard. Um, and so, you know, there's the release. There's obviously like the wind in your hair, the cold, the feeling of like complete quiet that exists in hockey. And that exists across all sports where somebody can feel like they're, you know, in their groove. But for me, it was, 
this day you get your jersey, that day you don't. And so I was constantly battling this, this understanding of where do I fit and, and, and defining myself as important, even if I wasn't on the ice. And so, you know, there's a whole other side of just self-worth and, and, you know, being reciprocal of feedback that can be hard. Uh, I think sports gives us all the challenge to rise above, but when you feel like you should be on the ice and you're not, there's a struggle there. Um, so I constantly was, was challenged to use those tools that I learned in high school to, to put myself in a better space. You know, if I don't get the Jersey that game, I can't sit and, and get to a really negative headspace because I'm still an integral member of the team. I've got to be this. I've got to be that. I have to be, you know, dancing around like a fool. I've got to be giving people feedback when they're not playing well. Like these things all are part of the mental health of, of an athlete because, you know, you're not always the top of the point sheet. You're not always the best player on the roster. You're not always getting the highest salary. There's, there's those other bubble players that have a lot of challenge and stress. So I would say that hockey for the most part has given me so many, so many peaks, but there were certainly times where I felt valueless to the, to the roster. Mm -hmm. I felt valueless to my teammates and I felt like no amount of hard work was going to change that. Um, I remember most intimately when I left college, I played on a, um, a semi-pro team in Canada, but I had nine of my teammates were U S Olympians that went on to play in Sochi, went on to win a gold medal. Um, and um, amongst nine Olympians, and I was a second, third line grinder in college, I'm not stacking up. I'm just learning. Every time I'm on the ice, I'm learning. I'm just getting more and more skills under my belt. But that whole first season, I was a, a whole step behind. And that was hard. It was hard to be me, the hockey player, learning every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think we should always be okay with that. But I, I had to go to a sports psych. I had to learn my brain and be okay with, with being the worst and knowing that I was going to get better. Um, or maybe I wasn't. And I was just like happy to be on the ride. I don't know, but, yeah. uh, but it can definitely be challenging, especially, and we don't think to like check in on our players that aren't dressing, you know, cause like they're not dressing, they're not important to the game today. Like they should just like suck it up and be happy for the rest of the team and yeah. want to win. For sure. But it's really hard to yeah. fall in that middle it's tough. I'm having flashbacks right now because I, yeah. so I, like, I was like the role guy, the glue guy. That was my job. And when I was in the lineup, it was three to five minutes. But then I'm also like, there were times where I was out for a month and a half in a suit, eating popcorn, like just not playing. And, and then it's weird because you want to, you don't feel like a part of a team at all, right. but you don't want to be that person moping. And you're in college, so everyone's going out. So it's like, okay, your only time to really feel a part of the team is in practice, but you're still doing the black aces skates, getting bagged, and that's brutal. And then on the weekends, that was my outlet was going out. And as the glue guy, the clown on the team, like I'm having yeah, fun. You're too like, much. It, you it, don't it, sleep it, enough. You go, exactly. listen, I did the same thing. I left, exactly. I left college and I spent years being completely sober, just getting myself mm -hmm. right because – you have to be the life of the party and it's draining. Yeah, it's draining. it is. Like the battery pack that everyone kind of plugs into. And so I always say, I definitely think it's hard um, to be the person with all the pressure, right? To be the person that needs to score the game winning goal to be, it's, it's a different level of stress. I actually don't even understand it. So sometimes when Madison has stress about hockey, I'm like, I don't get it. Cause you just, you didn't score a hat trick today, but you scored two goals. So like, I don't get the pressure yeah. of that extra goal. I don't mm -hmm. know. But where I get it is 
is like, like you're saying, like you, you're the, you're the one that, that everyone plugs into. And so everyone has their stress. That's, I don't want to ever like say like one person, of course. No, yeah. but it's like to recognize that across a profile of 20 faces, everybody has a thing and we don't know what it is. And so until we start to have these conversations where we like just trade battle stories, exactly. We don't know. And you can't, you can't even interpret what someone else is doing. So mm-hmm. someone might look at Madison and say, Oh, she's got it all. She's got it figured out. And she's looking at somebody else saying, Oh, there's so much less pressure on you. I'm envious. Yep. And then somebody that doesn't even have their jersey is like, well, you guys have jerseys. I don't even have my, yeah. like yep. everyone's got something, right? <laughs> there's always something that we're being nervous. And, when you're a high-performing athlete, this is normal because you expect the absolute best out of yourself in, in every way. And when, you know, it's never enough. It's, it's never enough. And then, like you talked about, Madison, before about the identity factor. And um, both you can resonate with that. Like, you identify yourself as a hockey player. And that's great, but it can be very detrimental. And, and you know, when you find yourself out of the game, it's, it hits hard, harder than anything else anything. And, and that's tough for people to deal with. And um, yeah, I think it, what you said was perfect to Anya is that everyone goes through something and it's all different and just trading those battle stories and saying, okay, this affects you. Okay. Okay. Like this affects me. And just understanding that. And I want to go into, you know, you mentioned tools. What are some tools that both of you use to cope um, and just kind of things that help you when you find yourself in a lull or, you know, maybe spiraling down and just trying to get yourself back on track. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I think I, I, I find two, some that I really enjoy. And, and you reference joking about things like where sometimes it's hard to have a level set conversation. I always start with humor. Like I'll always be like, oh, I'm in the ditch right now. Don't even mm-hmm. worry. Like don't, yep. you can't even catch me. I'm so low. But I get to this place where I feel like I can joke about what I'm going through. Um, and using that humor as a tool to express myself is, is important for me. Um, so when I do use that humor and I unlock that side, then someone can either probe a little bit further or, um, just kind of saying like, Hey, I'm at a two right now. And I always use a one to 10 rank. Um, so if I'm talking about something and and we'll go to get into something and I'm like, I'm at a three, like, I can't, I can't get there with you. Or like, I'm at a seven. Let's like go through this, this conversation. Let's talk about this and understanding whether I internalize the number or I say the number, but I can, I can say, okay, from like, if I'm from a one to three, like, I'm in a really bad spot. I need to ask for help or something's like just a little bit bothering me, or I'm just not feeling like I'm a little wonky. Like maybe I'm about a six or a seven. So if I can internalize my number and I can know where I'm at in the game and in my head, that usually helps me figure out what tools I need to to tap on, whether that be journaling, writing stuff down, talking to a teammate, calling my mom. Um, I have like an app on my phone that I color, like I adult color. Uh, and that helps me like compartmentalize a lot of anxiety so that I can calm down and then articulate where I'm at. Um, so I think some, some pretty simple tools to adopt are just like hobbies that keep you busy, like whether it's playing a game or, um, you know, pulling out like a journal or writing some down or, or reading or getting into a sauna or taking some mental health steps that let you Zen yourself out, you know, breathing techniques or, um, I'm sure I'm like throwing a lot out there, but uh, you start to figure out what number you, you are at and what you need at that time. And, and even if it doesn't feel good, sometimes I'll get through like five different tools. And I'm like, I still am a two. I'm in like a horrible headspace. At least I'm doing what I need to try to get there. It sometimes doesn't work at all, 
But if you're trying to get to that space, then I think you can, if you are doing everything to, to try to get better, right? You can at least check things off your box and feel like your list is getting done. So you don't feel unaccomplished. You don't feel like you're just moping. You don't feel like you're struggling as much. You're maybe still in a bad headspace, but you're, you're going through some actions. And I, I think that that for me is how I, I am successful. Yeah. I think a lot of ours are, are the same. We live together. So, um, but we have an infrared sauna at the house, which was like maybe a year and a half or so ago, we started going to the infrared sauna like once a week, then we would go two, three times a week. And I just loved it because it was it's a different kind of experience than a, than a rock sauna. And, um, so eventually we, then COVID happened, we actually bought one and put it in our basement. So every day I do at least 40 minutes, sometimes more. And I'll do like different breathing exercises in the sauna just to like meditate and relax. And that helps me a lot. Um, and then I also talk to a therapist once a week, just because that's something that Anya encouraged me to do. And, um, I think has helped. Um, I like, I put together Legos. So a lot of times Anya will buy like a random Lego and that's just like a therapeutic, like it's like a, like doing a puzzle or something. It's just good for your brain to kind of get your mind off whatever else you're thinking about. Um, and lastly, I've gotten a lot more comfortable. I kind of said it before with telling people where I'm at. Um, and, and a lot of times people come to me on the team because I've been there the longest. I'm the captain. I'm, I'm older than most people. I've got a, a wife and a house and a family. Like I, I seemingly have it figured out, even though nobody ever really does. Right. But people come to me a lot. And I, and I, for a long time gave everything of myself because I didn't, know how to say no. And I felt like I couldn't, but by not giving people my time, I was being selfish, but I wasn't like, I couldn't be there for other people if I didn't know how to be there for myself kind of. And so I've gotten better about being honest with people and just saying, Hey, I, I can't be there right now. Or like, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not in a good, I'm not in a great place. So let's just like shelf this conversation and we'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's been the biggest one for me is that is being honest about where I'm at and people respect that. I mean, I've, I've never gotten pushback from it. Um, and it's actually, you realize you have more support than you think. So, um, I, that, that one is big for me. And if I'm having a bad day, being honest about it. Yeah. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but a couple more questions, but I want to talk about getting help and what that was like. Um, a lot of people are scared to open up one and two, they're scared to even reach for help and talk to professional help. Um, they feel that, you know, why am I going to talk to somebody? I don't know. Like they don't care. So I want you both to talk about your personal experiences in that regard. Um, I think it's important. I think you both found benefit in it and from what you've said, and I think it really can be beneficial. I think that's another scary thing that people don't want, like, you know, don't want to, you know, talk about. And for me, as someone who's comfortable as talking about as I am, there were times where I didn't want to say something in fear of, I'm going to get put in a straight jacket and thrown away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, is this thought like too bad? Like, is this really like, bad that I'm feeling this about myself? Scared to open up about it, you know, in fear of what's going to happen. So if you just both talk about, you know, how positive your experience was with, you know, talking to a professional. Yeah. I think that, I think that right off the bat, um, going through a, a, a hospitalization always is like what, what seemingly is the scariest being ripped from your life. Um, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. I was, um, admitted to the ER. I uh, wasn't in a healthy headspace. I, I had, had tried to take my own life. And then from that was transitioned into 
um, an inpatient facility. So, you know, it, it started with going to weekly therapy. It started with having these conversations um, and then, you know, not really feeling like that was resolved and, and going to an even darker space. Um, and when I was in, when I was in inpatient, I started to um, really adopt the process before I was just kind of going through the steps. I was saying what I thought that they wanted to hear. I was pacifying my therapist to, um, you know, kind of check the box. Like I was put in therapy. Um, I was young. So obviously I wasn't self-aware to say, Hey, I need this help. I, um, you know, my parents thought that was the best choice for me. So when I was in my inpatient, I, I really started to lean into the work. And I say that to Madison all the time, it's work. It's not easy. And it, you don't like magically come out of the, the appointment feeling better. Um, you don't, it's actually like, can be really hard to talk about what you're going through or, or even rehash things that you think are fine. You know, you think, oh, I'm over it. My, you know, my parents were divorced. I'm over it now. I'm 30. And that comes up in a conversation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Uh, this hurts to talk about. And so um, I think that for me, uh, when I get to the point of having those conversations, when I, when I'm talking and when I'm in my talk therapy, which I think is my best tool. Um, and I, I really enjoy talk therapy. Um, I have to remind myself that like, it's a grind. Like afterwards, I'm like, I'm going to go to Dunkin' and get a donut to reward myself for what I've just done. Cause it's so hard. Um, so I always let people know that, you know, as hard as it is to go to the gym and grind it out for an hour or to, um, do something that that's like, get on the bike and ride wind sprints. That's how hard it is to go through therapy. It's tough. Um, but, but once you get to a place where you start building with your therapist, you can, you can rely on yourself. You can either, um, talk about something or you can, um, feel like, you know, what you're doing as opposed to feeling completely lost. Uh, so I always think that it's, it's been a huge asset to me, but if you're trying to seek it out, like, you know, calling your insurance provider, figuring out what therapy is included or what providers you could potentially go to, or trying something like talk space, which is text therapy. I think that's always a nice introduction to what it might be to talk to somebody or just picking up a phone. You know, I started by calling a hotline. Um, and just talking to somebody because I didn't know what to do with my feelings and my emotions. And until I was on the other end of the phone with somebody that, you know, the, the perception is that they don't care. They do, they care very much. And to have somebody just not know you and care about you feels like justifying. It feels like you should be having these conversations. So, um, I always encourage people that, you know, at the very least try talk therapy for a month. And if you have a couple sessions and, you know, it, it's going to feel like exo super exhausting mm -hmm. and it's not going to feel like it helps. Um, but it, it will, you'll get the tools. It's just that you just have to learn the inside of your head, which is not easy. Yeah. Sorry, man. <clears throat> no, I was, I was going to agree. And it's hard mentally because when if you go to the gym and you work out, you can see results. You shoot pucks, your shot gets better. You can notice these things tangibly. When it comes to the mental work, you don't really notice the growth until you look back and reflect, you know, months down the road, maybe even sometimes years. And that's why it's really difficult too, especially when you're an athlete, when everything is so physical and you're putting in the physical work, dealing with the mental side of it. It's like, I don't even want to bother, <laughs> you know? So, but Madison, if you can go ahead. Yeah, I think for me, um, I mean, I'm, like I'm kind of going through it right now. I don't, I've always been very outspoken and vocal about mental health and more of a like ally type way. Um, but th about three months ago, my best friend's brother passed away suddenly. And 
so Anya encouraged me to go see somebody. And it wasn't until I did that, that I was like, oh, wow, I really have benefited from talking to somebody. But also like, there's days where I'm like, miserable. Like I just sit upstairs in the shower and cry. And I'm like, this is awful. I don't want to talk to this person anymore. Because I started out by talking to her twice a week. And I was like, we're talking about all these things that have nothing to do with what I'm even going through. And Anya was like, it'll all make sense. Like, just give it some time. It'll make sense as you go through it. And then sure enough, like something that I was upset about talking about weeks ago that had nothing to do with what we were originally talking about. Like I have closure on that now. Like it's a lot of my anxiety and and like depression manifests in grief. I think like I've just been unfortunate to have a lot of loss in my life in the last four years. And, but also very blessed. I mean, I have a great family. We welcomed a son. So there's a lot of positive things that have also happened, but, um, I've just like constantly pushed through it, kept going. I've got hockey to focus on. I've got this to focus on. And so I finally, this hit super close to home for me. And I was like, okay, I think I need to go talk to someone. And I was nervous to do it at first because I was like, why do I want to talk to someone? Why do I want to pay to talk to somebody when I can like pick up the phone and call anyone in my phone book? Well, because this person is like trained in what they're doing and they like, it makes sense. And it was the first time we talked, it was super easy. I, I hung up the phone and I, I like felt like this huge weight had been lifted off of me. And then going through it, there were days where we would get off the phone and I would like go to Anya and just say, I feel like there's this like war inside my head. And I, why are we even talking about these things? Like I wasn't even thinking about it until she brought it up. But it's like you said, it's, it's training your brain in a way that you can't see, but the long-term benefits eventually make sense. So I think that, that like the negative stigma and association with therapy or, you know, getting professional help, being hospitalized, whatever it might be, um, is what keeps people from saying, Hey, I need help. And what's the alternative? I mean, you don't, I, as a person know what it feels like to have that pit in my stomach and that like weight on my chest. And it's horrible. Like you don't wish that on anybody. So just creating a dialogue and saying, Hey, I get help and it helps. And, and, knowing that that's true and having experienced it rather than just talking about it and saying, Oh yeah, this seems like it would work. I think is important because mental health and and that dark journey is not something that people can go through alone and they don't have to. So. Yeah. Everyone has support system and that's what we're trying to do is create a community here that, you know, you know, people can come and, you know, if they want to get something off or something, DM us and Hey, you know, like people reach out to us all the time now and they feel more comfortable. And that's like, What's so important is people sometimes don't know where to turn, but there are people out there that do care and, and love them and, and just want to be there for them. I mean, um, it's just a matter of breaking that barrier. And, um, but no, it, and the last question that I have is what's one piece of advice that each of you would give to somebody who is going through something or maybe was going through the exact same thing that you both struggled through? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice is that there's, there's no right answer. And I think that the, the, the less we search for the right answer to a problem and the more that we, we search for the journey to healing is, is the best because, you know, for me, what I was going through, there was no right answer. You know, nobody could just wave a magic wand and be like, you're correct, or here's the solution to the problem. But what I was able to learn was that there's a whole journey to healing that that's a grind. That's not easy. That's not, you know, perfectly paved. Sometimes it's, a boat ride, a hop, skip, and a jump, a ladder, and you fall on your face 75 times in that pathway. Um, but there's different ways to get through something. Um, and so, you know, I never 
felt like I needed to go back and get uh, additional treatment and go back to being in a hospitalized environment. But I do feel like people need to stop being so afraid of whatever the pathway to healing might look like. It might be rehab, it might be talk therapy, it might be medicine, it might be um, hospitalization specifically for your mental health, which is what I did. And, and I was exposed to so many people um, when, I was, uh, when I was there that it helped me understand the gravity of, of what I'm going through and how all of our paths are so different. And so I think that the less we search for an answer and the more we just search for a, a way from A to B and whatever that way may look like, um, whether that's asking for help from teammates, whether that's continuing to play on the team, stepping away from a sport, leaning into family, getting away from your family. I mean, all these things could be part of what healing looks like. So um, I always say like, it's not an answer. You know, I, I, I always, I'm sorry, I can't give you an answer to that, but I can, I can love you through that journey that you have to go through um, to get to that other side. Um, mine's kind of a two-part answer. The, like one, to people who are going through it, um, my advice would be to keep going, um, that there's nothing wrong with you. Like it's way more common than people will admit. Um, and you're important, like you matter and the world's a better place with you in it. I think it's crazy if you look at and not to keep going to like the darkest possible scenario, but I think it's crazy if you look at numbers and statistics, it's all stuff that I'm interested in, like the rate of suicide in the United States compared to like Africa or some of these other third world countries, like it's not even close. Right. And that's, and why is that? Well, Americans seemingly have these, all these better lives and whatever, but it's also, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we, and you look around you and it's like, Oh, this person has this and I'm supposed to compete with that. And but while there are, you know, people in columns of like clinical mental health disorders where they're taking medication or whatever, those things also there's pressure put on by outside people where they're like, why can't I just be like that person? Like nobody is what they appear to be. I mean, we get people that reach out to us all the time about, Oh, your, your family's so cute. All this stuff. Like, you should see the other side of the camera right now. It looks like a bomb went off. Like everyone has their, their, like their reality. Right. But nobody posts pictures about that. Nobody is super open about that. And at the end of the day, like we all go into the same dirt, you know, where, where everyone is, is a different cookie cutter of the same type of person going through the same life. And I think it's important for people to know that everybody ex experiences it differently, but goes through the same stuff. And we we're all there for each other. And that if we can just get people to have that conversation and recognize that these feelings that people have, these disorders that people have are a part of life, like everything else, I think it will get better. And I think that we can be, be we, we all as people can be better people to one another. Um, and I think that's important. It certainly won't solve all of it, right? There's all, there are levels of, of depression and things like that, that that won't fix, but I think it'll make a huge difference. And this like, second part of that is not to be like political but people who have the, the ability to make decisions and and enact change need to do it i mean mental health disorders are an epidemic in our country and it's it's not an easy fix it's it's a it's a hard thing to to nail down but we have to put attention into it it's not just oh these people are sad again i mean it's a it's a true problem and it's a disease like anything else we we offer government funding to people with alcoholism, to people with drug disorders, to people with heart disease, all these other things that are killing people and they can get, you know, medical help for, 
but we don't include mental health in that. Insurance companies make it difficult for you to use your private insurance to get mental health help. Like it's no different. And I think that that's where we as a society and as a world really need to look at it differently. Mental health disorders are no different. Think the mental health, mental aspect out, it's a health disorder. So I think that everybody across the board just needs to be a little more understanding and compassionate and recognize that it's not any different from anything else that people go through. And if we continue to ignore it, it's going to get worse, not better. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And those are all, you know, fantastic points and things that, um, you know, I think there definitely needs to be some overhaul and kind of how we just see things as far as mental health goes and how we, you know, treat them and get people help that they need. Um, there's a lot more suffering and silence still, even though we're finding ways to be more comfortable to talk about it. There's still a lot of people out there who are still struggling. And um, actually last, now officially last one on a lighter note, talking about the NWHL and on your new position and, you know, the future and, um, you know, the upcoming season. If you could both just talk about that, it's a lot of uh, exciting stuff. Yeah, it's a, a totally different uh, wavelength here, but it's a, it's so exciting for the NWHL. We're going into our seventh season. Uh, I've taken over the helm of the rivers, which I think is crazy, but um, you'll see Packer leadership on the ice and then you'll see Packer leadership on the business side. So I'm excited for, uh, you know, the scalability we were on national television last year. That was really cool. Uh, we exited a restricted access environment with a huge amount of success and viewership increases. And we saw some great sponsorships roll in. So I'm excited for um, some of the changes, some of the, the, the nuances. This will be our first season with Toronto being a member of the team with their, with like going to the Toronto region, mm -hmm. you know, they joined and then we were in COVID times, which is a whole different ball game. Uh, so we'll finally be going to Toronto. We'll be experiencing that fan base, which I'm really excited about, um, as well as just continuing to deepen our roots in the New Jersey Metro. Uh, so, you know, I've got some fun ideas for what partnerships could look like to scale across New Jersey and the New York, New Jersey Metro. Um, so I, I think that the sky's the limit. And I think for women's sports in general, just, just, you know, growing in the past couple of years, it's been fun to watch as the world changes, people just absorbing sports content and taking like the letter, you know, I always call the, the, the uh, W in women's sports, like the letter, like the more you take the W away from the WNBA, it's just basketball and it's incredible ball. Um, same with women's soccer, same with women's hockey, pro fast pitch, you know, all these different sports are starting to get a lot of attention golf. I love the LPGA and, and I'm like very envious of their, uh, short game. So uh, I always think it's fun to watch women's sports and to watch it scale over the past couple of years has been incredible. No, definitely. Um, a lot of exciting stuff for sure. Matt, yeah. on to your seventh season. Yeah. What's it looking like for you now in the future here? Excited? Um, it's a lot more work in the off season to keep these legs going, but yeah. um, I'm excited. It's fun. I think that um, being there from the beginning, I've, I've seen it all, um, but we've, you know, I'm proud of the, the athletes that I've, gotten to play with and, and compete against over the last six seasons. Um, we, it took a village to get to this point. I, you know, there were a lot of roadblocks there, there considered continues to be a lot of adversity and naysayers. Um, but it's a group of resilient athletes who have worked for everything they've gotten. And, you know, the doubling of the salary cap is a huge testament to the product we put on the ice, even, you know, without some of these coveted national team players being in the league um we've proven that we're worth watching and that it's a good quality product so um i think it's it'll be fun to continue to see how it grows it'll be interesting with the olympics this year uh and seeing what happens not only this year but next year then you know 
do players decide to come back? What is that going to look like? Um, so I just, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful to continue playing for a few more years. I want to play until he can remember yeah. playing, but uh, we'll see. So awesome. Who's that? Give him a shout out. This is Waylon. And he was quiet this whole interview. So he, yes. gets, he gets the Nobel Peace Prize for the Awesome. That's got to be exciting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, but thank you so much to both of you for coming on and just being vulnerable and, you know, giving your time to talk about this stuff. It's not easy. And, um, you know, I appreciate it. And there's gonna be a lot of people who are going to listen to it and it's going to really help them and resonate with them and um, really make an impact. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for having us. I actually really appreciate the, the conversation and you're doing a great job. So thank okay. you. Thank you so much. Thank you.